Thanks for tuning in for Love, Live, Lead, the broadcast ministry of Christ Community Church of Imperial Valley. We would love to help you plan your visit, so we encourage you to visit our website at www.cccciv.org for service times and our events calendar. Or get the app. You'll find the Christ Community Church IV mobile app in your app store for Apple or Android devices. And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding from the throne of God and of the Lamb. In the middle of its street and on either side of the river was the tree of life, which bore twelve fruits, each tree yielding its fruit every month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. And there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him. They shall see his face, and his name shall be on their foreheads. There shall be no more night there. They need no lamp, nor light of the sun, for the Lord God gives them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. Then he said to me, these words are faithful and true. And the Lord God of the holy prophets sent his angel to show his servants the things which must shortly take place. Behold, I am coming quickly. Blessed is he who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. Now I, John, saw and heard these things, and when I heard and saw, I fell down to worship before the feet of the angel who showed me these things. Then he said to me, See that you do not do that, for I am your fellow servant, your brethren, the prophets, and of those who keep the words of this book. Worship God. And he said to me, do not seal the words of the prophecy of this book, for the time is at hand. He who is unjust, let him be unjust still. He who is filthy, let him be filthy still. He who is righteous, let him be righteous still. He who is holy, let him be holy still. And behold, I am coming quickly, and my reward is with me to give to every man or every one according to his work. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Blessed are those who do His commandments, that they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter through the gates into the city. But outside are the dogs and sorcerers and sexually immoral and murderers and idolaters and whoever loves and practices a lie. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David, the bright and morning star. And the Spirit and the bride say, Come, and let him who hears come, and let him who thirsts come. Whoever desires, let him take the water of life freely. For I testify to everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book, if anyone adds to these things, God will add to him the plagues that are written in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part from the book of life, from the holy city, and from the things which are written in this book. He who testifies to these things says, Surely I am coming quickly. Amen. Even so, come Lord Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. And that would be my prayer in verse 21, that the grace of our Lord would be with you all as we finish up this final chapter. Let's have a word of prayer.
Lord, thank you. As we come this morning, I just ask that you would minister to each one of us as your word is unfolded that the Holy Spirit would speak to each heart and we would say at the same time, Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. We bless your holy name. We ask these things in the glorious name of our resurrected and living Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. We now come to the final chapter in the book of Revelation, but the final chapter is not really the end for God's people. In many ways, it is the beginning for God's people. As we see in the last week and this week in chapter 21 and 22, we see eternal life taking place. So really, it doesn't end for you and I. It doesn't end as the humanist would think that when you die, you just fade away and you go back to the dust of the ground. That is far from true. We know that eternity is absolutely going to take place because God's Word declares it. Now, the book of Revelation, I just want to mention this, it was not meant to spur speculation. It was meant to inspire and spur obedience. It was written to seven churches that were local at the time, Asia Minor, modern-day Turkey. We've been there. We've been to the sites there and seen to where these letters were originally written. But those words, these words were not written just to those seven churches that existed at one point in history. The words of this book apply to you and me today where Jesus says in verse 16, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you these things in the churches, that that you is plural. It's like Jesus turning from those seven churches from one camera angle to another camera angle and speaking to you and me today. I think that is so important to understand because this book, this marvelous book, has taught us some incredible truths. Truths like, really, don't put your confidence and trust in this world. This world is passing away, so why invest in a company that's going bankrupt? And so many Christians today are caught up in the things of the world. They're caught up in this and that, and they have very little time for the things of the Lord anymore. So the book of Revelation, when we see prophecy unfolding, should inspire us to deeper obedience to him. That's why Jesus says in verse 7, Behold, I am coming quickly. Blessed is he who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. Very important. The book was written not to inspire speculation, but really to inspire obedience from you and I. Obedience from you and I. I also want to say that the book teaches us to not put our confidence in government. So many people today are trusting man-made institutions. They are trusting governments today. And Revelation teaches us that ultimately government is going to fail all government. There's going to be a one-world government that rises on the scene where lost humanity is going to put their trust and confidence in them. Much of like what you see in America today. We say, man, if we can only get the right man in office, government will get straightened out. My life will be okay. You want to know how to make your life okay? Surrender it to the Lord Jesus Christ. Then it'll be okay. You understand that? And so this Bible, this book also teaches us 
that God's people is going to undergo suffering. That we see time and time again in the book of Revelation that theme of persecution. That just because we come to Jesus doesn't mean everybody's going to accept it. It does, however, mean that the world will hate you for your faith. If the world loves you today, there's something wrong, friend. You're either not preaching the gospel, you're either not calling people to repentance, or you're doing the same things they're doing, and they're just so in love with you. The Bible teaches us in the book of Revelation that when people don't follow the ways of the world, the world is going to come against them. The world is going to attack them. The book of Revelation teaches us that they will even be beheaded for their faith. And that's what faith is in Christ, isn't it? It's not a dead faith. It's a living faith. You're always going to attract some, but you're always going to detract the majority. Now, that doesn't give you the right as a Christian to wave the Bible in somebody's face. I tell people all the time that I preach to the church very differently than I preach to the world. I do not expect the world to live to the righteous standards of God's Word. Their problem is that they're blind and they need to be born again. Then they can start to live out God's words and God's precepts and God's principles. The book of Revelation teaches us that Jesus Christ is going to come back one day. So the suffering in this world we need to endure. And as we come to this final chapter in the book of Revelation, I want you to just take note of a few final things in this final chapter of the final book of the Bible. The first thing I want you to take note of is that it gives us a final description of our eternal home. This is found in verses 1 through 5. We see where the Apostle John is given this vision of our eternal home. It started way back in chapter 21 early on, and the description of our eternal home began to unfold before our very eyes. And I don't know about you, but it beats any mansion that I've seen here on earth. Now we get into 22, and when I look at these five verses, I think our eternal home is best described by what is absent, And what is present? What is absent? When you look at what is going on in our eternal home, we see some things that are missing there. First of all, there is no more curse. Look at verse 3. Verse 3 says, And there shall be no more curse. You remember, the curse came as a result of Adam and Eve's disobedience to God. When they violated God's command, the curse entered in and it has brought sin. It has brought sin, the progression of sin. It's brought death. It's brought destruction. It's brought devastation. And now when we see in our eternal home, that curse is no more. There is no more curse. We no longer have the family problems that we face today. We no longer have the sicknesses that we deal with today. Cancer is going to be a non-issue in our eternal home because the curse is going to be gone. Another thing that we see that is glaringly obvious that is missing is there is no more darkness there. Look at verse 5. There shall be no night there. And that is speaking more than just nighttime, friend. In the Bible, darkness represented a number of things. Darkness represented the sinfulness of humanity in John chapter 3. Remember what the Lord said? Men don't come to the light Because they love their deeds. They love darkness. They love darkness. They don't want to come out of 
that darkness because they're so entrenched in sin. Darkness also speaks of the trials and the tribulation that you and I face on this planet. There are dark times in our life. Some people have termed it the darkness of the soul. There's times where we wonder, God, are you even there? We read the book of Psalms and we see that the psalmist has gone through so many difficult times and he writes under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit now to the experience of his own life, the dark times. He's like, God, where are you? How long, Lord, before you avenge my enemies? And there's these dark things that we go through in this life and that's the way they're described. There's seasons in our life. There's seasons in our life. There are dark times, and in heaven, our eternal home, the new Jerusalem, there will be no more of that. But notice, too, it's also described what is present. It is described by what is present. We have the river of life, verse 1. It says, And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding from the throne of God and of the Lamb. So we have the river of life that is flowing from the throne of God. Speaking of eternal life. Speaking of eternal life, the other thing we see there that is amazing, to me anyway, because if you've ever read through the Bible, you're wondering, where is the tree of life that was in the beginning of the Bible? In verse 2, it says, in the middle of its street and on either side of the river was the tree of life, which bore 12 fruits. So we see the tree of life once again. We saw it, Genesis chapter 2 and chapter 3, God puts the tree of life in creation when he formed the Garden of Eden. And then we also see that when Adam and Eve sinned and were separated from God, the judgment came, and part of that judgment was to cut them off from the tree of life. And as you read through the Scriptures, as you read through the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, Ruth, on and on and on through the Old Testament, then getting into the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, you're starting to see where is this tree of life again? Well, the tree of life doesn't show up again until Revelation. Shows up in chapter 3 in the book of Revelation. We see it here now. Once again, in chapter 22, we see that we now have access to the tree of life once again. Speaking of eternal life, Jesus promised it. He promised that all who would follow him would have eternal life. And now, this is a beautiful picture of what brought devastation in the garden. Now the picture of beauty as we see in the new eternal home that the tree of life is now there. The leaves of the tree were for healing, it says. It says that it bore 12 fruits and the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. A lot of people can't make sense out of that because they're saying, wait a minute, I thought there was no more sickness in heaven. I thought there was no more death in heaven. And that is true. And it's not speaking of the word in that way. The word healing is the Greek word therapeian, and it really speaks of health giving. There's no sickness, but there is this description of optimum health all the time. And that's why you see it listed there. So we see now that the river of life, we see the tree of life speaking of eternal life for God's people. But the other thing that I love about this description is that 
we also experience the presence of God like never before. We experience, look at verse 3. This excites me. And there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and His servant shall serve Him. The, the centerpiece of our eternal home is going to be the throne of God. The throne of God. The righteous rulership of God who loves us. We're going to experience the highest intimacy with Him. Look at verse 4. They shall see his face. They shall see his face. They shall see his face. Do you know that the Bible tells us that anyone who looks on the face of God will die? Because in your unglorified body, you cannot possibly see the face of God and live because of the glory. You melt like the wicked witch of the east that had water poured on her. And so in the eternal home, though, we now have this face-to-face with God. And this is one of the marvelous things and promises that you and I see as believers, the one that we've served, the one that we've walked with, the one that we've suffered persecution with and suffering of this world, the one that we, we shared about with others. We now see face-to-face. That intimacy that is so lacking in today's world of social media. How many friends do you have on Facebook? It's like 4,000. 4,000 friends. Why do they call them friends? How can you possibly know 4,000 people? And then the text messages and the, the emails and this distancing of these intimate relationships that even with our own children, I may as well just send my son a text. You know, and, and yet we look forward to this sitting down, this face-to-face, this intimacy with God. And you know what he really thinks about you? You are his prized possession. Look what he goes on to say. They shall see him face-to-face and his name shall be on their foreheads. It's like God puts his stamp on you. You belong to me. You belong to me. That's amazing because in the book of Revelation, those who were anti-God, those that were antagonistic towards God, they went ahead and they received the mark of the beast. And some of them got them on their foreheads or their hands, and they received this mark of the beast showing they belong to that. They belong to this world system. They belong to that government. They may have even professed to be Christians, but in all reality, they belong to them. And now God's people are going to have a tattoo on their forehead. I never liked tattoos on foreheads. (laughs) But this one may not be bad. I belong to God. (laughs) And so so just showing how God thinks of you, and I, I think for the people that were suffering during this time, the original seven churches it was written to in Asia Minor and the persecution that they were facing like many Christians today, they look at the book of Revelation, they see these marvelous truths. And they say, our God is absolutely amazing. He loves me. It may seem like he's abandoned me, but he'll never leave me nor forsake me. That was the promise of Jesus. I belong to him. I belong to him. Not only do we see a final description. Oh, and what I want to say, the greatest thing about heaven is the absence of sin and the presence of God. That's the greatest thing. Listen, friends, this sin that that you struggle with, it messes up our fellowship so much with God. 
Just when you think you're doing so well and I got my devotional life intact and I'm doing well, my prayer life is on on a mountain right now and I just feel like I'm in touch with God and then you go to work and somebody ticks you off and you yell and scream at them and you're like, man, when is this all going to end? Well, it's going to end in your eternal home, New Jerusalem, the absence of sin and the presence of God. What greater thing? Amen? Another thing that we're going to see, a final thing, is the final confirmation of the truth of this book. As I was contemplating this passage of Scripture, this was actually one of the first things that came to me. As I looked at these verses, I thought, wow. So many people read the book of Revelation and they declare it a fairy tale. And the book begins with the vision of the resurrected Christ, this glorious vision of Christ. It goes on in chapters 2 and 3, and it, it talks about the churches and their need for correction that speaks to us today. Then we see John in chapter 4 caught up to heaven, and there he is at the throne of God seeing thunders and lightnings come forth in this majestic vision of the throne of God. And then in chapter 5, he sees the lamb that was just slain, and there he is around the throne. And, and he's the one who is worthy to take the deed, the title deed, the scroll out of the Father's hand. And we see the redeemed just worshiping God and worshiping God, and then the tribulation period starts in chapter 6, where God is going to unleash his judgment on a God-hating, Christ-rejecting world. And we see judgment after judgment, and it intensifies and intensifies and intensifies, and the world gets worse and worse and worse. doesn't get any better. And then we see in chapter 19, after the fall of the world system, and after the collapse of the one-world government, we see Jesus coming back as the conquering king in chapter 19 with all the saints. We see a thousand-year reign that Jesus is going to have here on earth. And then we see the final judgment of the unrighteous, the wicked, the great white throne judgment, where men and women will stand before God at that great white throne, and God's going to open up books, and He's going to indict each and every individual that has rejected Christ. And then it is eternal judgment condemnation where the false prophet, the beast, the antichrist, Satan is tossed in. And people say, wow, I just don't buy it. I don't believe it. And many scholars today are now doubting the authenticity of this book. They're doubting that Revelation has any purpose and meaning for the church today. They say, who can understand it? Who can possibly read this, all the symbols and all the terminology, and who can make sense of it? And if you've been with us since day one, you know it isn't that hard to understand. They'll do anything to deny this book. And they don't see the truth in the book, and yet here are three witnesses I'm going to give you. I want you to see the witnesses here. First, you've got the angel of the Lord. Look at verse 6. Then he said to me, these words are faithful and true, the angel. And the Lord God of the holy prophets sent his angel to show his servants the things which must shortly take place. Those words, faithful and true, were used of Jesus 
himself in chapter 19. He is faithful and true, and now it is used of the entire book. The entire book of Revelation is faithful and true, and it is an angel that is giving us these words. These words, words are important. This is how we as humans communicate. We communicate by words. The only reason why you can understand the book of Revelation is because we're reading God's word. Thanks for tuning in for Love, Live, Lead, the broadcast ministry of Christ Community Church in Imperial Valley. Christ Community Church has campuses in El Centro, Calexico, and Brawley with services in English and in Spanish. Your kids are going to love our kids' church. Plus, we have a lively youth ministry and young adults group. You're welcome to call the church office at 760-337-9400 with your questions. Or leave us a message on the Christ Community Church IV mobile app, the cccivy.org website, or direct message us on social media. We are really looking forward to meeting you. So again, the website is www.cccivy.org or call 760-337-9400 so we can plan your visit.